If you have your Bibles, open up to Revelation chapter number 11. We're going to continue in our book of Revelation, in our study we've been going through for a while. And uh, let me mention this as well. I put this up here to remind myself. Um, we, we are, of course, are in our spring sowing campaign, passing someone to Christ straight from the Bible. And, uh, and they're cards, okay? These are not cards to give out all week long, okay? Don't, don't take these and pass these out. Uh, but they're on the back table. They're just a little card. They're a simple plan of salvation. And, uh, and you can grab one of those. And I want to encourage you to take one and just, just, just have it with you. Read over it. It's basically what I taught a couple, oh, I guess it's been a few Sunday nights ago, uh, on, on leading somebody to the Lord. And, uh, and this is just a little cue card to help you out, to be honest. It pretty much follows the same plan that is in most gospel tracks. And uh, uh, the other day when I was going through the gospel with that young man, um, I just had the, the gospel track that we were leaving on the doors. I flipped it over and I just went through that with him and left it with him. That way he has a copy of the same thing that I told him and, uh, and he can kind of remember that. But that card is back there. And so if you're interested in those, uh, it's back on that, the information table and you can grab one of those after church. All right. So I want to encourage you to do that. Revelation chapter number 11, and uh, we're going to look at verse number 14, and uh, we'll start there. You'll remember we went through the, the, the witnesses the last week, and, uh, and so let's pick it up in verse number 14. The Bible says this, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord, and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seat fell on their faces and worshipped God saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the servants and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Let's stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be in your house, to gather openly, Father, around your name and your word and to praise you. God, I pray that you would use me and speak through me as we look into the book of Revelation. And God, I pray that you'd give us understanding minds, understanding hearts to understand your word. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. And God, will be careful to praise you and honor and glorify you for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. You'll recall uh, last week we looked at, at these two uh, witnesses, and I don't want to rehash all of that, uh, but I, um, I was rehashing it this week and kind of re-looking over it all, and, uh, and as we thought about it, uh, this thought did pop out uh, that, that was stated. It's not my original thought. Somebody else come up with it, but uh, uh, the idea that, listen, these two witnesses, they don't, we, we kind of settled on, I kind of settled on, I don't know where you settled on, but, uh, and, and it's okay if we disagree here because, boy, they're, 
It's, it's not clear. The Bible doesn't name them. So we got lots of room there to, to argue, all right? And I love a good argument. So, uh, so I'm fine with that. But uh, as long as we can agree to disagree peacefully, I, I, can, I can deal with that. But uh, we kind of settled on Elijah and Moses. But really, honestly, think about this. It doesn't have to be even Bible witnesses. It could be people that aren't even, are not even on this earth right now. And maybe that's why God didn't even give us their names. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's, I was going to name two crazy names, but we'll forego the crazy names. But maybe it's people that are not even here on the earth right now. You know, so, uh, so we really don't know. The Bible did not tell us, does not tell us. And, uh, and there's lots of possibilities that you can entertain and, uh, and let that roll around. You could spend days and weeks and months uh, really getting lost in all those details. But I want to take us back to uh, the kingdoms and characters where we are this evening and looking at this. And uh, we picked up, if you remember, in verse number 14, the second woe is past. And you'll recall that the three woes were introduced way back in chapter 8 and verse number 13, you can flip back there. In chapter 8 and verse number 13, he said this, uh, he said, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. And so each angel that sounded thereafter uh, was another woe. And so we see that in verse chapter 9 and verse number 1, uh, that fifth angel sounds. And then go to, with me to verse number 12 in chapter 9. He says, one woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. The second woe is in verse 13 because the sixth angel sounded. Now fast forward all the way to verse number 14 of chapter 11. He says, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And so that kind of brings you up to task of where we are at uh, as these, these chapters have sounded. I explained last week that uh, uh, the chapter number, I'll have to go back and look here, chapter number 10 uh, is a, a parenthetical, and chapter number 11, really much of it is also a parenthetical. And what is a parenthetical? Uh, I used this exact same sentence last week, and I'll do it again just in case you did not, were not here or you missed that or whatever. Uh, but uh, a parenthetical gives you relevant information for something that you don't have. Uh, so I'll give you a sentence. I'll give you an example sentence. Real simple. Ready? Uh, Frank drove the car and did a fabulous job. And you're like, big deal. Okay, Frank drove the, drove the car. Let me give you the parenthetical. Uh, Frank drove the car, open parentheses, he was 12 years old, close parentheses, and did a fabulous job. Now you're like, oh, wow, Frank should not be driving a car at 12 years old. And that gives you relevant information that uh, the first sentence was accurate, but the, sentence, the second sentence with the parenthetical statement added information to help you clarify in your mind or even visualize what was taking place. So chapter 10 and chapter 11 are parenthetical statements that give us a lot of relevant detail to what is taking place and who the people are in the book of Revelation. We saw the same thing in chapter number 7. And so uh, as we go through this, um, let's see, we did all that, the woes... Um, 
in verse number, uh, let's go back to our, our text here in verse number 14. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven. In this passage here, verse 14 down through 18, we did not read 19 uh, on purpose. I did not miss that. Uh, but, uh, but we have the, the kingdom that is to come. And, uh, and so he, he says in verse 14, the second woe is past, behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And, uh, and most people believe uh, that that third woe then is more so described in chapter number 16. We do have a brief overview of what is to take place in that third woe. Uh, and then we also have another parenthetical statement uh, in chapters 12, uh, 13, 14, and 15. And there's much information. And by the way, uh, these chapters are probably uh, some of the most debated, uh, disputed portions of the book of Revelation. And we literally could spend hours in these chapters, but I don't want to get lost in every detail and rabbit trail. We will cover it, and uh, we'll just kind of go through it and, and, and introduce and try and give you a, a broad picture uh, as best as we can with the time uh, that we have. We're not going to do that tonight. Some of you are looking fearful. Uh, don't worry, we're not covering all those chapters tonight, all right? Uh, but we have the kingdom that's coming here in this in this portion that we're going to look at. Notice in verse number 14, uh, the third woe cometh quickly. And then he goes in verse 15, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are, are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And, uh, and listen, this is, this is fascinating as we look at this. Um, let me back up to verse number 14 because that, that woe cometh quickly. Uh, and let me just state this, that as we've been going through the tribulation period, and let me help set the stage for maybe those who do not know, but, but we believe the rapture took place in chapter number 4. And so those who are saved are called out, and the tribulation period begins. We see the, uh, you remember, we'll, we're stretching your minds going way back now to the horses and all of the things that took place uh, on this earth. And, uh, and as we think about all of that, it, it starts to get worse to be honest with you. And, and I thought in the beginning, man, this is pretty bad. I mean, earthquakes, um, wars, pestilence, famine, all of those things, and many people that will die and pass away. And, and as you think about it, um, there, there will be people who will live, uh, it's only seven years, seven and a half years, seven years. Uh, and so you think, man, that's not a lifetime, obviously. Um, and, and that could pass by relatively quickly in some regards, if you think of it that way. But I thought of this verse, I think it's relevant uh, for those who are living during this time, because the Bible says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. And we find as he, the third woe cometh quickly. Boy, I don't know, uh, towards, as you roll towards the end of things, I mean, things are going to start going crazy, and it is going to be bad. And, um, and so I believe that's a good uh, place to apply that verse, because there are witnesses. We saw them. They will be here on the earth. They will witness. They will testify. 
and God has a, a remnant, a portion of people that will be here. Uh, but, but listen, there will be many people who will reject. Uh, we saw it. Uh, and they will just harden their hearts and harden their necks. And, and boy, that sudden destruction will come as we, get, as, as we come to the end of the book of Revelation and the close of time. And so notice that, that seventh angel sounding there in verse number 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are come, are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. I want you to notice here the kingdoms that are mentioned. And clearly there are, are several kingdoms. We of course know if you study your Bible you'll find the kingdom of heaven. You'll find the kingdom of God. And, and they're similar in some aspects and yet they're distinct in other aspects if you were to trace them through. And I remember probably a couple of years ago, or I don't know when, but I know we talked about the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven in, in a Wednesday night service, and, uh, and there's a lot of information there. But listen, notice too that the kingdom of this world, and listen, uh, the Bible talks about the devil being the, uh, the, the prince and power of the air or the God of this world with a little g. And so uh, certainly there is that kingdom, but... I love the way this verse says it because the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Boy, what an incredible thought. As you think about the kingdoms of God, John 18, when Jesus was on trial uh, before uh, that mock trial that they had to try him and, and really it was nothing more than to push him through and crucify him. They had no intention of seeking actual justice, but nonetheless, uh, in John 18, the Bible says this as he's being tried, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. You'll remember the Jews, especially even the disciples. As Jesus came, the Old Testament prophecies very much so point to the kingdom that Jesus Christ will establish on this earth. And, and when Jesus came, the disciples were expecting that. You, you'll remember they asked him, uh, are you going to set up your kingdom now, God? That was a question basically that they posed to him and, and said, hey, not, now's the time. I mean, they were excited, man. They wanted to be the first in the door and, and, and they were ready to throw off the yoke of bondage of the Roman government that was ruling at that time. And they were sorely disappointed when Jesus was not going to set up his kingdom at that time. Even when he was crucified, you'll remember they were like, what is going on? You know, and, and Jesus told them plainly, hey, I'm going to die, but I will raise again. And he did, of course. And, uh, but, but there was that misunderstanding of all that. Even in the prayer that is taught, uh, you'll know this in Matthew 6, 9, the Bible says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, as it is in heaven. 
and it's looking forward to the kingdom that will come. That's what this is referencing when he says the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. I don't know, uh, I find it very interesting because the God of this world, uh, the devil, has a limited space right now to work. He's limited. Um, and, and listen, uh, there is spiritual warfare going on. And not only that, but listen, he has a limited time to work. Now, the devil's not all-knowing. Uh, he's not all-powerful like God, but he's pretty smart. Uh, and listen, he, for thousands of years, he's been tempting people and trying to uh, cause people to fall. And I'm just saying that he does have a kingdom. But listen, this is, this is what I was talking about this morning. Hey, praise the Lord. You read the end of the book and you know what? Jesus Christ's kingdom is coming to this earth. And his time will be no more. Uh, Jesus Christ will reign for all of eternity. And what an incredible thought to think about that. It says that he shall reign forever and ever. And uh, what an incredible uh, thought and, and statement. I thought I had something in my notes. I know I did, but I'm going to say it. I, I don't want to say it and then have come across it later in my notes, so I'll just say it now. We'll plug it in here. Uh, I don't know if you, you watched, you probably didn't watch, but uh, uh, King Charles in England was crowned, was crowned, excuse me, crowned on uh, Friday night, I believe it was, and uh, boy, that was a big to-do. And, uh, and I didn't watch it. I, I, I quit caring in 1776. I didn't care anymore what the government in England was doing. But, um, uh, but, but I'm just saying, you know, it was a big to-do, and it was in the news and everything, and, and it is fascinating. Uh, but, but listen, it's a fascinating celebration, but can I tell you, that's an earthly thing. And when our king is crowned for all of eternity... It will be far greater than any worldly celebration that can ever take place. I'm just telling you, uh, I mean, I'm sure that that had all of its arrays. And, and I'm not against you watching and seeing all, you know, all their celebration. I'm sure it was phenomenal. But listen, it pales in comparison to when Jesus Christ will set up his kingdom on this earth and will be established and the Bible declares very clearly that he will reign forever and ever. Praise the Lord for that. And I'm just telling you that we can be glad that Jesus Christ will reign for all of eternity. Look with me in verse number 16 because I love this. Uh, we go from the kingdom being set up as he explains there. In verse number 16, And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God. And listen, this is not spontaneous worship. Uh, we've seen this break out before in the book of, of Revelation. And, and I, I read that, I, I thought, man, I, I know we've seen this before in the book of Revelation. What a fascinating scene. It's a scene that takes place in heaven, and the four and twenty elders are sitting there around the throne of God, and they're, uh, they're there. And, and go back with me to Revelation chapter 4. I wrote all these down so you could see them. We're just going to track this through the book of Revelation real quick. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on it, but, it, but it's fascinating. Revelation 
Revelation chapter number 4, this scene takes place. In verse number 4, there is the introduction of those four and twenty elders being seated there in heaven. And uh, we'll not dwell on that, but look with me in verse number 10. They're just introduced in verse number 4. In verse number 10, the Bible says, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Now I want you to notice in Revelation 4, they are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ because of His power and because of the life and the creation that He gave and because He was worthy to open up the books and, uh, and, and to show all those things. Go with me to Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 8. We find those same four and twenty elders that are gathered around the throne in verse number 8. The Bible says, And when He had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps of golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and, and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And I want you to notice that once again they are worshiping the Lamb that is slain before the foundations of the world because He was uh, worthy to open up those books. In chapter 4, they're worshiping Him because of His creation. In chapter 5, they're worshiping Him as the uh, slain Lamb. In chapter number 11, um, well, they, they say it there again in verse number 14. Look with me in chapter 5 and verse 14. And the four beasts said, Amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And they worshipped the living God. Chapter 11 and verse number 16, back to our text, we find that they fall down before God. And again, they're worshipping, why? Because his kingdom is to come. And boy, He is going to reign for all of eternity. You go, you fast forward. We won't go there for sake of time, but in chapter 19 and verse number 4, they're worshiping uh, Jesus Christ because of the justice of God that has taken place. That He has dealt with all the wickedness. That He has prevailed over all the wickedness that is in this world. And they're, they're, they're worshiping Him. And the thought is this, man, I tell you what, we're not going to get bored in heaven. I mean, if we just stop and worship Jesus Christ for every single attribute and everything that he is, wow, eternity will tell. I mean, every one of those instances, that's all the times that the Lamb of God is mentioned in the book, or excuse me, not the Lamb, but the four and twenty elders that are mentioned, they are around the throne in the book of Revelation. There's nowhere else. And every time that they are mentioned, they are falling down on their faces before God. And worshiping the Lamb, Jesus Christ. What an incredible thing uh, that, that they are worshiping Him. Listen, look at verse number 18. We find... And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, 
and the time of the dead that they should be judged. We find that he kind of gives a quick scope of the overview of the entirety of, of the uh, tribulation period and he jumps to the end. Hey, listen, that time's going to end. Jesus Christ will set up his kingdom. The dead will be judged. And there's an incredible uh, closing here in verse number 18. And, and I want you to notice this, that those nations are angered. We have saw that we've already noticed things like this before, that, hey, listen, the world does not like righteousness. The world and those that are not saved, are, 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 they're opposed to those kind of things. And when righteousness takes place, you remember the two witnesses. What were they doing? They were witnessing. They were testifying. And what happened? Hey, the Bible says that those who came against them because they didn't like them, they opposed them, uh, that, that, listen, fire from, fell from heaven and devoured them. And it was in their tongue to give power to hold back the rain and, and to do all kinds of, of signs and wonders for God's honor and for God's glory and for God's majesty. And, and we find that they did that and people were angered. And when they finally prevailed against those two witnesses and they died, what took place? Man, they partied in the streets. The Bible says they were rejoicing over their dead bodies. They were giving gifts. Why? Because man, a lost man, does not like righteousness. Save your spot here in, in Revelation, and we'll look at a passage that does deal with this. Malachi chapter number 3. Save your spot there in, in Revelation. Malachi chapter number 3. Go to the book of Matthew and go back. You'll find Malachi really easy. It's the end of the New Testament. Malachi chapter number 3 and verse number 16. I'm not going to comment on these. We'll just read them for the sake of time. But, but I want you, I, I love verses that just go hand in hand uh, with, with these end time prophecies. And this one does. Malachi chapter number 3 and verse number 16. The Bible says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked between him that serveth God and him that serveth not. We'll continue in chapter 4. Uh, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name, shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in His wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the, in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Go back with me to Revelation 11, and let's read that verse 18, because I did not finish reading the entirety of the verse. The Bible says, The nations were angry, and the wrath and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servant, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And I want you to notice just the judgment of God. 
And that, listen, he will judge. There is coming a day of judgment. I find that fascinating, and I, we, we don't have time to go there, but uh, the Bible says there in the middle of that verse, talking about the, that he'll reward them and the saints that fear thy name, small and great. And I love that. I tell you what, God, every person that is saved is important in God's eyes. It doesn't matter if you are preaching in the smallest of Timbuktu towns and you're faithful there and, and no, you're not nationally recognized or known. Uh, I've had the privilege, and I do mean privilege, to meet some of God's servants in the backwoods of Peru, South America, that you will never meet here on this earth. You'll never know them. Man, they, but they serve the Lord down there preaching everything every single Sunday. And you know what? God knows who they are. Hey, listen, the small and the great. I don't know if it's, if it's popularity. I don't know what that small and great could be. I know that when we preach this, uh, I think it's Revelation chapter 20, if I'm not mistaken, it says that the small, uh, the, the dead, the small and the great shall stand before God. That's the lost people. They'll stand before him, whether they're powerful kings that were lived in this earth or whether they were nobodies that lived in the jungles of Peru or Africa uh, or some other place. They'll stand before God and give an account. But listen, this, this portion right here is for those that are saved, whether we're, whether we're little known or whether we're greatly known. Hey, listen, God's going to reward those children that have been faithful to him. And it gives a whole bunch of clarifiers there of all those people. And I'm just saying, what, what a wonderful verse there for us in verse number 18. We see the kingdoms that are set up. I want you to notice, as we go into verse number 19, we're going to go into the first few verses here of, of, of Revelation chapter 12. And I want, to, I want to give you the characters. These characters run through. They're introduced here in the first few verses. Let's read that really quick. In verse number 19, Revelation eleven nineteen, And the temple of God was opened in heaven. So notice this scene is still taking place in heaven. Uh, and the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she, and she being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. 
And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, and they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Let's stop right there and just give you the characters here as we look at them. Uh, I want you to notice first and foremost that this temple in verse number 19, uh, I believe it to be a literal temple that is located in heaven. And I believe that the ark there that is in heaven, uh, I found this fascinating. I was studying about this ark. And, uh, and I thought, where's the last place that the ark shows up in the Old Testament? We really don't know. Uh, historic, you can read several historical accounts. Uh, but let me, let me tell you this so you're not confused. Indiana Jones did not find it. Okay? That was a movie. Okay, he did not find it. All right, I, I, uh, some of you look like you were doubting and, and sure that that's where it was. That's not where it was at all. Um, and, and there's several fictitious accounts, uh, or let me say this: I don't know that they're fictitious, but uh, but we don't know them to be fact either. Accounts of what happened to the ark. Uh, there was a whole. I read a whole article of how it was carried off into Africa, and it goes into African history of how they've had it for years and hidden it there, and and all these other things. But but. We don't know where the, uh, the ark is today, but I do know this, it will be in heaven. And you say, is God going to bring that ark to heaven? And, and listen, he's bringing us to heaven. I mean, it wouldn't really be hard for him to bring an ark to heaven. Uh, if you think about it, it probably would need less work than we need, amen, uh, because of our, our, our corrupt flesh and, and that being transformed. But I'm just saying that that ark is in heaven uh, or will be up there in heaven. And I thought about this as I was looking at that and, and I started thinking, what was the ark? The ark of the covenant represented the very presence of God. You'll notice when the nation of Israel had it that they prospered. You'll notice when they lost it. You remember the Philistines. They got it for a while. I love that story. Go back and read it in the Old Testament. Uh, they, they had it and, uh, and, and their, their God, I think it was Dagon, their statue, uh, when they had it there in their town, he fell over. They were like, what's going on? The next day they come in, they stand up their God because he can't stand himself up. He's just an idol. You know, he doesn't have any motion, any ability. So they stand up their God and, and, uh, and the next day they come in and, and their God, Dagon, has fallen over again and his arms are broke off because he fell. That's all God doing that. And God's presence was with that ark. And finally, the Philistines, they were smitten with stuff. I mean, we got to get rid of this thing. And, and they didn't even know how to get rid of it. They said, make a new cart and get an ox that's never carried a, a, a cart before and, and load that thing up on that cart and send it away. And, and they did. And where do you think that ox took it? Right back to Israel. That's God. And I'm just saying that the Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of God. And what I find fascinating is how on earth did Israel lose the Ark of the Covenant and not record it anywhere in Scripture? The Babylonians came in and they sacked Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. Matter of fact, we read of the artifacts of the temple being pulled out of the temple, but nothing is stated about the Ark. And I don't know, was it buried? Was it hidden? Did, did the king at that time hide it? Or was it kind of like Samson, that he wist not that the presence of God was with him anymore? 
And maybe God just took that thing. I don't know. I'm not telling you I know, but I'm telling you this. I find it very fascinating that Israel lost the Ark of the Covenant and nothing was said. And we're saved for all eternity. You're not going to lose your salvation. But listen, I don't want you ever to lose your walk with the Lord and lose the presence of God, the reality of the presence of God in your life. They did. And it was gone. And it's in heaven. And I don't want us to lose that presence of God, that God is real in our life. May we be aware of his presence. It's up in heaven. We see here in verse number 19, as just a side thought as we look at all of that, the woman very quickly, uh, most believe that she is Israel. And, uh, and she's referred to throughout the rest of this chapter. We'll not dwell on it, uh, but, but it's very uh, apparent. The history is all laid out in chapter 12. The other day I, I started reading and I, I read chapter 12. I got all the way to chapter 16. I'm like, man, there's no way I can cover all this. And so I'm just going to give you the introduction here. We have the temple of God in heaven, the ark of God in heaven, the woman that would be, uh, this is a, a, a very, very clear vision that he's seeing that's taking place in heaven. And the woman there would represent represent Israel. Uh, the dragon there in verse number uh, three and four. Well, jump down with me in verse number six. Uh, the Bible says this uh, because it refers to the woman. And the woman fled into the wilderness uh, where she hath a place prepared of God and they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. And again, that's fascinating. Run that time, figure all that out. That, that'll be fascinating to look at. But in, then we have the dragon that's there in verse number three and four. Uh, and he's a red dragon. And you say, man, who is he? Well, the Bible is very clear about this one. We can say definitively, look in verse number nine. The Bible says, and the, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And so we, that's very clear. The red dragon then is Satan, the serpent, the devil. Uh, and then the verse number five, we have that man child. Uh, and that's very clear as well as you read down through there that that is Jesus Christ. And that's why we believe the woman, uh, of course, was Israel because Jesus, you go back and trace his lineage. Uh, it's given to us in Matthew, I believe, chapter two and uh, in, the, in the book of Luke as well. And you can trace Jesus' lineage all the way back through Israel. And, and, uh, and it's fascinating. It's given to us. And we find that man child then is of course Jesus Christ and there's one more character that's given to us in verse number seven and eight uh, and it's clear who he is and there was a war in heaven Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found anymore in heaven and so Michael uh, this very powerful angel is in heaven and battling with Satan and uh, and all of that is, is laid out. And we're going to look at all of this. Uh, this goes on through uh, several chapters, but, but I just wanted you to kind of get an idea of the characters. I wanted to give you the introduction of who they are, and uh, then we'll continue to look at who they are and, and what, they've what they are doing. It's a, it's a very 
picturesque. It flows. Uh, you go home and read it. And if you have trouble, if you have trouble following it, do this. I'm not kidding you. This will help you. This is what I did. Uh, I sat there in my office and I just read it out loud to myself. Um, it was fascinating. And, and the more I read, the more I wanted to read. I just was like, man, this is amazing. And and uh, and so we'll look at those things and we'll study those things. We will not run down every single symbolism and every uh, rabbit hole uh, because you, there there are a lot. And, and you could, I'm just telling, volumes have been written, uh, hours and thousands of hours of teaching has been given on this, not by me, by other people. And I'm just telling you, you can spend a lot of time right here. But I just want to kind of give us the overview of these things and just help wrap our head around the big picture uh, of the book of Revelation. So I hope that helps uh, this evening as we, we looked at these, uh, the kingdom of God that is to come. Boy, what a day. We sang that song. Uh, we sang a couple of those songs tonight. And boy, the, several of the verses I was reading there, and I'm like, man, his kingdom's going to come. Boy, what, what an incredible thought. And listen, we're going to witness it. We're going to be there. If you're saved, if you're born again, if you know the Lord as your personal Savior, uh, it, it doesn't matter if you pass away tomorrow. Uh, hey, listen, we're going to be there. We're going to get to witness it. And it's quite a fascinating thing to be able to see. So I hope and pray that that is a help and a blessing to you as we look at the, uh, the book of Revelation. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. God, what, a, what an absolutely beautiful book. God, that we can read. God, we can, we can honestly scratch our head over. And, and, and sometimes, God, it certainly is over our head. I'm glad that there's many things that are so simple, like salvation, doctrines that we can certainly know with, with all certainty, as we looked at this morning. And then we have things that are which to come. And God, we certainly are grateful for the very clear things that we do know that you will reign forever and that our salvation is for all of eternity. We're thankful for that. God, I pray that as we have looked at the book of Revelation, God, I pray that each and every person would be encouraged, strengthened, and each and every believer will be drawn closer to you because of that. And Father, I do pray that if there's one that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, that you would speak to their heart and show them their need for salvation. God, I ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Whatever the need. Maybe you just want to thank the Lord for your salvation.